The biggest thing on people's minds, right, is e-commerce today, right? Um, we went through the last few years. I mean, COVID kind of put e-com into this rapid position. You know, a lot of brands were made overnight just through, you know, people staying at home. Even for us, you know, it, it contributed to a lot of our success. But now you have kind of the downturn with inflation, supply chain issues. Um, I almost feel like we're returning back to what was supposed to be normal. Season two, we have our featured guest that we've been awaiting all season long to finally have on board. Without further ado, to kind of introduce Harley Finkelstein, president of Shopify, co-founder of Firebelly Tea, and a Canadian resident. Harley, thank you so much for taking time out and coming on our podcast. Chewing hey, Ron, Ash, thank you so much for, for having me. Uh, I was trying to figure out how we got connected, and I think I tweeted about something post-South by around the creator economy. And I think we just started talking like that, which is, I mean, people talk about like building relationships on social and the power of community and Twitter and all that. But like, this is the, the this is the manifestation of exactly that, uh, where you can connect with people that otherwise you may not otherwise know. And, and since that I've been following you guys and watching, learning about your journey, I just, I just had a prep meeting with my team for this, uh, for this podcast and, uh, what you guys are doing is amazing. That, coming, that from you, I mean, coming from you, I mean, we could do nothing else and quit tomorrow. Yeah. After doing that. <laughs> no, no, don't quit tomorrow. Just, just keep going. Is, that's all I really want. Um, well, that's cool. So where should, where should we start here? Yeah. So let's definitely dive into it. Um, yeah. the biggest thing on people's minds, right. Is e-commerce today. Right. Um, we went through the last few years. I mean, COVID kind of put e-com into this rapid position. You know, a lot of brands were made overnight just through you know, people staying at home, even for us, you know, it, it contributed to a lot of our success. But now you have kind of the downturn with inflation, supply chain issues. Um, I almost feel like we're returning back to what was supposed to be normal, right? So mm -hmm. where do you think we're headed? What are your thoughts on just the e-commerce space in general right now? Yeah, look, I, I think uh, when tidal waves are coming, there are two types of, of people, two types of companies, two types of reactions. One is you know, you see this massive tidal wave and you go to the shore and you grab your towel. And I think there's another type of person or that type of company, um, type of reaction, which is they grab their surfboard and they kind of figure it out. And I think, you know, the pandemic, I think, changed the way all of us work and how we view work generally. Um, you know, for us at Shopify, when the pandemic first hit March 2020, we effectively threw away our entire product roadmap and began to think about, okay, what does, what emergency need from us right now? So things like curbside pickup, uh, you know, uh, um, touchless uh, tap and, and, and pin on things like point of sale, helping restaurants become effectively merchants and, and retail businesses. Um, so when you see these things, I think if you, if you watch carefully, you see these incredible opportunities. But I, I think one major change that, is, that, is, that has happened is that e-commerce, I mean, prior to the pandemic, e-commerce was sub 20% in terms of total retail. Now it's it's, it's, it's significantly higher, but it's, we're, we're back to a growth rate that is more similar to 2019. I think some people are, are confusing that. They think that, that e-commerce has slowed down. That's not the case. What, what happened is you had this massive acceleration happen around digital commerce, digital retail, e-commerce that put us onto this, like, this higher percentage of, of total retail. And now it's still growing in this beautiful way on a much, much larger base. Like the, the denominator is so much bigger today. So I, I think you had a lot of people get into e-commerce during the pandemic that have now, re, have now began to feel like it's not growing at the same pace. Well, that's true, but actually it's still 
sub 22% of, of all total retail. There is so much opportunity there. So that's one thing. The second thing I think that that, that sort of changed sort of post pandemic is that I think the role of physical retail has also changed. I think we need to stop talking about e-commerce as uh, as, as a business on its own. I think the future of retail, I've, I've said this very publicly many times, is retail everywhere. And I think physical retail is an extension of, of your brand. It's an extension of your channel. Um, I think there's gonna be a return to more authenticity from brands. You know, what is core to the brand needs to be physically manif manifested in the store. I think some physical stores are gonna act as showrooms. Others are gonna act as a meeting place with these sort of immersive experiences. Um, but I think generally, when you think about offline versus online retail, today, relative to pre-pandemic, we, we are now, fewer, fewer people are looking at online and offline retail as being two separate P&Ls. It's just one, it's just about retail. Um, so in many ways, I, I think that, you know, a little bit of retail history, John Wanamaker created Wanamaker's department store in 1876 in Philadelphia. First time ever that a bunch of brands were under one roof. My belief is that retail has been pretty, can I swear on this podcast? Yes. <laughs> pretty fucking boring ever since. You've had bigger stores, more lighting. They put water parks in, in department stores and, 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 and shopping malls. Uh, they put car washes and valet parking, did all this stuff. But it's been the same sort of thing. It's sort of been like a local Maxima version of, of Wanamaker's department stores in Philadelphia. Well, now in the last, call it five or 10 years or so, now we're starting to get this incredible excitement where, you know, <clears throat> Brands that didn't exist 10 years ago are now industry leaders, whether it's companies like Kith right. or it's companies like Figs or it's companies like Gymshark uh, or it's any of the creator economy stuff. I mean, you know, the stuff that's coming out of Jimmy, out of Mr. Beast right now, it is not promotional product. It is real companies with real brands. And in many ways, if you're in this industry, there's never been a better time to explore and be creative and, and, and test because like this is our time right now. I love uh, love what you mentioned there, and and I think so much of what you've mentioned is being fueled by Shopify, right? And 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 uh, so much so much of what we are all building leans on Shopify. Can you reveal something that you're really focused on? Um, just something that that maybe not the general public has been looking at, and and something you're working on. The biggest thing I think is that. How do we unlock this new era of entrepreneurship and growth? How do we turn more aspirational entrepreneurs into actual entrepreneurs? Um, and there's some ways to do it. You know, like obviously, like AI is playing this massive role right now. This idea of embracing this incredible technology like AI to unlock, I think, like the greatest capabilities for merchants ever before is very much baked in our DNA. And so, you know, I think we're fortunate to be amongst the companies in the world with the best chances of using AI to help solve really big problems. Um, you know, the more hard problems we solve for merchants, it means the more energy they can put in, into solving the things that only they can do, whether it's, you know, making delicious tea or it's making a beautiful, um, you know, a, a product, it's making, um, you know, what you guys are doing with, with, at Avi. So I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is like, one area that is not well discussed at shop by the public or of a Shopify is we have millions of stores on our platform and every one of the stores is an individual merchant. But if you aggregate those stores and pretend for a second that it is one single merchant, one single retailer, that is the second largest online retailer in America. Hmm. What does it allow us to do? It allows us to think about economies of scale that no entrepreneur, no business has ever been able to handle, to have on their own. But by being part of the Shopify community, when we go negotiate new technology rates, new ideas, new product development, um, frankly, just like rates on like capital, rates on pricing or payment, payment rates, 
we can do so in a way that just has never happened before and we can give those to the people that otherwise would not be able to do so so a great example is audiences you know if you're you know, you guys are really good at this, and, and I think most of the Chewiness listeners probably know that you guys, your crowd is more sophisticated. They're always trying new things, new, you know, new ad platforms, new ways to bring in new customers and, and, and create more, you know, return ad spend. But if you use audiences, it means you get to leverage everyone else's information inside of audiences in a way that, like, only helps you. And so by creating these sample lookalike audiences through, you know, through audiences product, at some point it becomes a bad idea to not use this product because you're just going to have a higher ROAS. Now, if your return has been like, whether it's up by 5%, up by 30%, that's going to depend on the particular product in your particular industry. But that type of stuff just didn't exist even three years ago. And now by being part of this community, you get access to it. That provides an unfair advantage. And I think that in itself will mean that, um, more people become more successful faster, which encourages more people with ideas in the shower to do something with that idea, as opposed to just you know go to go on go on their day uh, working a job that they hate, and and you know you didn't ask this, but frankly like entrepreneurship, I know for for both of you and for me like I think it's the greatest tool for humans to self actualize, to find your life's work, to be creative, to live this like rich, interesting, fun life, and not enough people participate in that yet. It's crazy how Shopify is a platform where people can sell, but then you are giving the tools to marketers or founders to actually bring traffic to the website to, to sell on, right? Um, and more importantly, as you as you guys know with, with, with Avi, like ultimately it is your customer. You have a direct relationship. So you get to leverage all the economies of scale as if you were on a marketplace, right. except that you own the direct relationship like you have ownership of the customer. Yeah. That just didn't happen previously. I think a lot of topic on people's minds nowadays is how do I improve the customer journey? Um, CX is a topic, retention is a topic. Um, how do you guys think about those things? Um, I know we talk about audiences, but how do you guys think about, I guess, customer journey and, and retention? I think a lot of people are still very transactional with the customer journey where they feel like the end, you know, um, you track it at the top of the funnel, I place an ad, bunch of attribution happens, maybe it's three touch, maybe it's two touch, maybe it's just direct. They get to the site, they wanna have a, you wanna have a great product, you know, uh, product page, you wanna have a great accelerated checkout, you get the credit card, you get their address, you ship the product, you're done. Yeah. Um, I think the best companies view that as only literally step one of the, of, of the journey that, okay, I now have a relationship, a trusted relationship with the consumer. How do I actually provide more value now? Do I follow up in, in 30 days and say, how was that product? Do you need more of it? Do I follow up in five days and say, there's an ancillary product. If you bought these, you know, if you bought these sneakers, the ones behind me, for example, maybe you should buy these socks. If you bought this tennis racket, maybe you need, you know, a tennis bag. I think that looking at this in a much more long-term perspective and, and, and as tough as it is to be holistic, like if you're a growth, if you're watching this right now or listening to this and you're a growth marketer or you're working at a startup or a direct-to-consumer brand that's just come up and running, presumably your success at that company is going to be very much tied to your ability to drive more traffic, to get more conversions, to get more revenue. Um, but that's the reason why I think when you look at your favorite brands and, and mine, most of them are founder-led. The key with founder-led versus professionally managed generally in our industry is that founder-led businesses and founder-led companies 
not ever, not not across the board, but generally, they take a much more longer term horizon and view of the customer journey, which means that, okay, I may not have sold them for as much as I wanted on this particular transaction, but I've built a relationship and they're going to come back every six months for the next like four years and buy from me. And that's how we think about like Firebelly Tea, for example. We built this, you know, during the pandemic, my, my best friend and I built this tea company. One, because he's obsessed with tea and I'm really, I'm, he introduced me to tea. And two, I want to be able to put myself in the shoes of every merchant on the platform. And now I feel I can do so. But like, I'm not trying to sell you as much tea as I can today. I want to convince you that we have, we have painstakingly curated the best tea, the best tea products, designed the best tea accessories on the planet. So if you try it, your, the tea today and you like it, maybe you tell a friend, maybe you tell four friends, maybe they tell four friends. If you don't have ShopPay turned on, it is, it is, you you were you were literally losing money. This is not a pitch for Shopify or ShopPay, but <laughs> you know we, we did a study not with um, with one of the large, very large consult you know management consulting firms. There's only three, so you know one of those. Um, and we asked them to basically do some research comparing ShopPay to every other checkout accelerated checkout on the planet. The mere presence of ShopPay, even if the customer doesn't use ShopPay, increases conversion by five percent. Just having it there, so. There's all this low-hanging fruit out there that allows you to operate at a much more sophisticated level where you ha where every person that wants to buy has a wonderful experience. And if you're not using the tools that are like that are available to you, that are in in your grasp, shame on you. Um, because it, like we are we are telling you this is how you build a business much bigger. If you want to test something else, go ahead and do so. We're trying to do it as well. But our entire mission at Shopify is to make commerce better, make it easier so that you don't have to worry about evaluating 50 different accelerated checkouts. And it looks like a NASCAR, you know, logo studio. We're saying th this is what really works across millions of stores. We've done over half a trillion dollars of GMB on the platform. Just use this. Um, and I think if you think long-term and you, you pay attention, you can build a company now at a pace of, 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 uh, like, the pace of growth that you can sustain today in 2023 is unlike anything ever before in the history of commerce. It's literally gold. Uh, it was incredible. And, uh, you know, to touch on more about like the ecosystem and, and what you guys are building at Shopify, I think a part of what you guys have been doing at Shopify, which is really cool in public as well, is backing certain companies and certain tools and services um, by investing in them or, 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 or um, backing them with, with your support. But, um, you know, outside of the, the obvious ones that have mass adoption, like the Gorgias and Clavio, um, you know, you have tools like Triple Will or, or Tapcart, right? Um, and, and it's tools that maybe are not have, don't have the, 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 the sheer mass adoption, but they're still tools that have made commerce even easier um, on top of sitting on top of Shopify. Um, what are tools like Topcard and stuff like that? How do you guys make these decisions on 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 what where to invest money, but also what the overall app market and 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 would love to kind of understand a little bit of that? Yeah, so like at the um, at sort of the, the philosophical level of the app ecosystem, I think one of the one of the competitive advantages that we have is that we have this ridiculously amazing ecosystem. And inside of the ecosystem, there's a bunch of different types of of partners. We have partners. Uh, you know, like Google and Meta and YouTube and TikTok and Pinterest, who we deeply integrate with and help them with their commerce functionality. We have partners who build applications and themes for Shopify, um, which which really allows Shopify merchants to have 100% product market fit, regardless of whatever the particular complexities are of their business. And there's also like 
you know, tens of thousands of these agencies and freelancers and and just people out there who refer business to Shopify because they're building you know on behalf of a client, for example. Um, so we actually think the the partner ecosystem. This is a philosophy I've been talking about for over a decade at Shopify, but the philosophy is we want to make the important things really easy and everything else possible. And that everything else possible piece, we cannot build out our loan. So we invite really wonderful developers and, and products and companies and, and all types of different you know, players to come and participate in the ecosystem, leaving a lot of room for them to make a lot of money. We want them to make tons of money. We want them to go public if, they, if that's what they want to do. We want them to be industry leaders, but we want to be the place where, from their perspective, this is the greatest go-to-market strategy ever because if you build something of great value for commerce and retail, Shopify, merch, Shopify merchants are going to be the best, the best audience for you and the best consumers of that, and so we make that really easy. Um, the other side of it is that we don't. We won't be able to build 100% market product market fit into the product for every merchant that uses Shopify. So let's say we build 80% or 85% or 90% of what everyone needs, what most people need most of the time, and then for that other 10, 15, 20%, uh, you know, that that is that is missing, we invite you to come and help with that. The way that we invest, though, is very simple. We invest, um, our, like our, our entire investment strategy is to focus to make commerce better, to partner with those that are doing something really, really well, like they're the best in the world at what they do for that particular problem set. And so, you know, right now we power about 10% of all e-commerce in the US. Uh, I mentioned that, you know, together in Agri, we'd be the second largest online retailer. But part of the reason that that, that metric, it's not a flex, the reason the metric is important is because when we see a company that is building something really fascinating, whether it's gorgeous, or it's Clavio, or it's um, Yapo, or it's Tapcart, or it's Globally, or it's a firm. We're like, hey, this is going to make the lives of our merchants much better. If you are the best at what you do, and if your um, long-term, very long-term ambition is to make this better and better at the same pace that we want to make our product better and better, we should partner. And in some cases, we'll even invest in you uh, in an equity perspective because we think it's going to be really important that we tie ourselves together. Um, and so that's how we kind of think about investing. Investing, and and you know, it's it's um, it's worked out really well. You know, I'll give you a quick example. We want to get to market very quickly on a buy now, pay later product uh, in 2020 or so, 2021. We began to think of a building it ourselves. We met Max, who's you know iconic entrepreneur um, from a firm who you know co-founder of PayPal, and we started to play with a firm and understand how does it work and why is it better than these other products. And we're like, okay, this is such a great product. We cannot build it ourselves in in in, in a reasonable period of time. It'll take us too long. What if we just made shop shop pay installments SPI, basically built on top of of a firm in the same way that Shopify payments is built on top of Stripe. It allows us to go to market faster. It allows us to help them build their business. Uh, but more importantly, merchants get value right away without having to wait for Shopify to build everything that they potentially might need, which in some cases may be unique to them. No, I I think um I think you kind of hit the hit the nail on the head right there, where you kind of are investing in in pieces that can just be added onto everybody's businesses experiences because they are the best in class in what they do, right? Um, it's almost like when you guys put that Shopify stamp of approval on something, you know that you can trust it, right? Um, but also, you, like we trust it, but but also like remember when we do that, we have vetted this yeah. to death. I mean, we have tested this on the largest merchants, the smallest merchants. We have figured out use cases during 
Black Friday flash sales. We figured out how they deal with compliance for multi-jurisdiction or multi-geography or multi, you know, um, uh, for um, uh, for um, uh, if if they want to have a, a you know multi-geographic business. How does that all work? I mean, we test the hell out of this stuff to make sure that if we say this is this is the thing you should be using, mm-hmm. it is truly the best. And then the onus is on us, on Shopify, not on you as the merchant, on us to make sure that over time it's it's still the best. So a year later, two years later. Is that company still the best in their space? Right. And if they are, we'll continue to endorse them. If they're not, we may decide to look for others who can do a, you know, a better job. Can you maybe take 30 seconds to touch on like why maybe someone like a tap cart and then what your like hypothesis on why apps are maybe important for brands to build? Yeah. Um, I know it's been a huge part of our revenue, but just in from your lens, how is it um, uh, kind of how do you look at it would be? This idea of actually having a wonderful branded mobile experience really, really matters. And so, you know, last edition, we actually unveiled um, a few things in the Shop app, which, which is, is similar to that. So Shop Minis, for example, which allows you really to build your own mini shop with your own branding inside of the Shop experience. I mean, the Shop app um, a couple weeks ago was the eighth most popular app, not in, our, not in shopping or, or commerce, but like the eighth most popular app like total of all apps in the entire iOS store. So a lot of consumers more and more every day are buying, are, are downloading the shop app and buying from it. And so this idea that, hey, if you're a brand and you want to leverage the incredible consumer base on the shop app, but you want to have a beautiful customized mini, now you can do so. Same thing with shop cash campaigns, things like sh- sign in with shop where we can really identify high impact consumers and help you burst, boost conversion. But that's what Tapcart's been doing for a long time, right? They made it really easy, no matter how many developers you have, how many designers you have, to build a beautiful mobile application that looks branded, that looks on entirely like it was built in-house, even though you know, Tapcart built it for you. And for some merchants that use Tapcart, they absolutely love it because now they have a mobile app. But the idea is not necessarily to say like, you have to do it this way, but to give them a plethora of options to say, if you want your own mobile app, you want to build it yourself, great, we're going to do it well. We have a mobile app SDK, you can build it. If you want to actually have someone build it for you, well, there's a partner called Tapcart. They do this really, really well. Or if you want to actually have it built inside of the shop app, here's an option to do so with shop minis. That type of option means, second here, we ultimately want to be the retail operating system for every merchant brand that uses us, okay? That is a really wonderful thing to say, sounds good, but in order to be the retail operating system, you actually have to requalify for that role every year. Our merchants have to rehire Shopify effectively every single year and acknowledge, nope, they're the ones that are going, like when I say I'm going to work in the morning, I'm opening my Shopify admin. We do not take that for granted. We believe we have to earn that right in the first place, and then we have to requalify for that right every year. The way you requalify is by ensuring that anything a merchant may want to do that is really good for their business, that is important for their brand and their continued long, you know, long-term success, they can do so on Shopify. And you may look at something like um, I don't know, the Spotify integration, okay? We have a Spotify integration where if you're an artist, you can actually sell your merch directly in your artist page on Spotify. Now, I'm certain when we announced that, a lot of people, a lot of, you guys may have even said it because you guys are sort of at the epicenter of commerce and retail and, <laughs> and, and, and you guys build, you know, build in public, uh, you know, better than anyone maybe. Um, but you probably are like, why would they do the Spotify thing? Well, the reason we did the Spotify thing is because some merchants, some of the time, 
are going to figure out that they have a lot of people checking out their artist page. And rather than them having multiple systems now to run centralized commerce, they can do it directly from Shopify. The metaphor that I like to use is think about a browser with a bunch of tabs. The fewer tabs you have, the more tabs that collapse into something like Shopify, the easier it is for you to run your business. It's more streamlined. You're spending more time on the shit that matters most. And it's, it's less complicated. That's what we're trying to requalify for. And so that's the reason why we have a bunch of different options for things like you know, cross-border, for things like mobile, uh, you know, for a mobile a brand and mobile app, even in terms of the payment gateways. I mean, we think Shop Pay in the right, excuse me, Shopify Payments is the best gateway, the best pricing. But if you decide you really want to use another gateway because for whatever reason it works better for you, that's cool. We, we, we think we can do better, but if you want to use something else inside of Shopify and we think it's a good product that's going to help you sell, we'll allow that too. We'll enable that for you. Amazing. It's, no, amazing. it's just amazing how Shopify caters to everybody, right? Yep. It's like even yep. even the, the platforms that we use, right? Triple whale, tap cart, whatever. It's so like you said, right? It's so easy to set up something, but it's all integrated, like everything syncs together beautifully. It's not like there's that extra step, right? I mean, Harley, you said it yourself, you don't even need a dev to like make things work. So I mean I'm I'm not gonna show you the text, but like I just while we're talking, I just got a text. I don't know if you can see that yeah. from Ben Francis, okay? Um, Ben's the founder, <laughs> CEO of Gymshark. I've known Ben since like day one. Legendary. Not only he is a, a fucking legend. legend. Gymshark <laughs> is not just a great product and a great company. He's Ben's a great awesome. entrepreneur and they've inspired so many people to start those. When Ben first got started and needed help, I tried to be there. We tried to be there for them. When they were scaling, we tried to be there for them. Today, where they're a multi-billion dollar company and they're challenging the likes of Nike, we still want to make sure they have everything they need. Think about that. There's very few pieces of software on the planet where, exactly, that it's simple to get started and then over time, as the complexity increases with your business, the functionality kind of reveals itself, but only at the right time. It doesn't overwhelm you. It's just when you say, like an API call, when you say, I need this, it sends you back something. When you say, I need this, the answer from Shopify needs to be, you got it. Yep. And so whether it's Supreme doing these, the most unbelievable flash sales in the history of retail, I mean, I believe Supreme is at a level that across the world, maybe other than you know Taylor Swift on Ticketmaster, no <laughs> one has seen this type of checkouts per minute. Yeah. When Supreme asked, can I do this? The answer is, of course you can. But when someone who had an idea in the shower sits down at their mom's kitchen table to build their first store and they're just getting set up, they don't need to think about cross-border tax compliance. They don't need to think about, you know, uh, all these like complexity. Do you think about, you know, multi-touch attribution models and, and all that stuff that, that we sort of geek out, geek out on. We're trying to level the playing field so it's really easy to get started. And then if you're successful, you never should have to leave Shopify. And that is the challenge, but also the mission of, of our company. And, and frankly, a personal, you know, our, my, my personal mission and Toby's personal mission is how do we actually change the velocity of entrepreneurship on the planet? And if we do so, by the way, what happens is there's way more of these chew on this podcast and there's way more <laughs> Avi brands built and there's way more fire bellies and gym sharks and things are colorful. Things are interesting. What would happen if commerce was in the hands of the many, not the few? That's the bet we're trying to take here. And that makes all of this much more fun. In fact, it's part of the reason why, even though we've never met in person or we've never really spoken in person uh, for, for a long period of time, we feel connected for some reason. It's super weird. 
that all I'm sure people listening also so feels true. like I feel like I know so many of you and you feel like you know me because we're all in the same kind of mission, which is that we have a healthy disrespect for the status quo. We believe <laughs> entrepreneurship is the greatest equalizer and we don't want to work at jobs that we hate. Rather, we want to build companies that we love. Yeah. And that is fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. I, <laughs> I want to be uh, respectful Fired of your time, up. but I mean, that was incredible. That was insane. Um, one thing that we like to do towards the end, I know, I know you're a busy, busy man. Um, piece of advice, something to chew on for the listeners. What's one thing that you want the users to kind of just take away from, from the segment or just, you know, something to chew on. Eight years ago, almost to the day was a Shopify IPO, May 22nd, 2015, I believe. Um, my best friend called me as I got off the podium, excuse me, as I was about to get on the podium at the New York Stock Exchange, my best friend, Jeremy. And, um, he said, you ready? I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, we just 93 meetings on the road show and here's where things, you know, here's what it's like here and I'm in my suit and all this. And he's like, just stop for a second. He's like, just enjoy this journey. You're about to stand at the New York Stock Exchange floor at the podium and take Shopify public. Enjoy this, this, this moment like is, is unique and it's special. And I think, um, I'm not sure if you guys have kids, but one of the things that, that my daughters have done for me and my wife helps me with is like, yeah, there's cr this is crazy. Everything we're doing is it's stressful and I've had anxiety for a long time. Like it's all nuts everything we're doing. But I'm trying really to enjoy the journey as much as I possibly can. And I think and that's kind of cheesy advice I know enjoy the journey doesn't even mean, but like it really does matter. Um you're you're going to you're going to make a million dollars on your online store and you're going to want to make 2 million dollars or 10 million dollars or 100 million dollars. You're going to make you're going to build a SaaS company or a SaaS app and you're going to have this many users, this many, you know, monthly actives or daily actives. You're always going to want more. That's cool. That's called ambition. But beyond ambition, I think just enjoying every step of the journey. Not every day is going to be happy. Not every day is going to be like, you know, like rainbows and butterflies. That's okay. You're allowed to have a bad day. You're allowed to have five bad days in a row if you want. But generally, try to spend some time just reflecting on the fact that we are able to do our life's work during our life. I don't, I mean, I don't know much about your stories other than what I have in my notes from my team, but like my grandparents didn't do life's work. Their life's work was survival. It was like, Holocaust to immigration to like come to Canada with no money and no language and like put food on the fucking table. We get to do something different. And I think that is really quite special. Chew on that. Chew on that. That's so, uh, yeah. I'm fired up to go back. All right, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys thank for you. This. Thank you, Arlie. Thank, thank you, you so Arlie. much. Really appreciate your time. If you want more from us, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, and check out the website, chewonthis.io.